0: This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. All right, so this morning I am going to speak about living on purpose. And I've called it that because I believe that many times we live with purpose— or we live without purpose. But I believe that God not only wants us to live with purpose, but I think he wants us to live on purpose. I feel like, I feel like there's a place that we can all come to when we find Christ. That comes a place where we can actually find uh, a way that we, we get up in the morning and we live on purpose. We don't just live with purpose, we don't just uh, walk out there or even without purpose, where we aimlessly walk around hoping for another day to pass by so that we can do our whole routine over again. But I believe today that God wants to place and impart something into each and every one. And as I 've been just preparing this week, I've been so overwhelmed by the love. That God has for his children. I've been an absolute mess this week. So bear with me. Because I have been just sensing and feeling. The heart of God. For people that are hurting. For people that are lost. For people that are living every day without purpose. And today is not going to be so much about information. But I believe today will be a day of impartation. And so I challenge you today, no matter where you're at in your journey, maybe you don't even know Jesus yet. Maybe you've walked with him for years. But I challenge you today to sit with an open heart and say, God, what is the more? What is it that you have for me today? So I have called this, this series I'm going to speak today and next week on living on purpose. Um, obviously, we've just come off a series called Love Love Illuminated which helped us to see who we are in Christ. And then last week, Scott did a tremendous job of just whetting our appetite to stir up a hunger and always hunger for the more of God. But over the next two weeks, I want to challenge us not only to see who we are in Christ, but to actually see who we are to Christ. Because once we know who we are in Christ, we recognize that there is a purpose and there is a a mission that he has given us because he wants us to be something to him, not just in him. Because when we know our identity, we will also know our destiny. How often have we not lived as if we're just going about another day, waiting for something better to come about, waiting for God to show us what we're supposed to do with our lives? waiting to find out our purpose. I believe God has already showed us very clearly through scripture that we all have a kind of a grand, a big purpose. I want to share with you very briefly four points this morning um, that I, I think is his purpose for all of mankind. I believe number one, that we were created for relationship. That is his first and foremost desire for you is to have relationship with him because he wants to know you. He wants you to know him because there's nothing that we can do that is effective outside of that relationship, outside of knowing him. The second thing is this. As we get to know him, I believe that he forms our character. He forms us to become more like him. That was the very original purpose of which he even created mankind. In the very beginning of creation, even before they had started creating anything, the Godhead, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit got together. And they started creating this beautiful world that they had dreamed up in their heart. But then they said this. Let us make man in our image to be just like us. See, God created us not just to be these little robots that walk around on the earth and cultivate it and and do stuff, but he created us to have relationship with him. And as we do, we become just like him in our character. That leads us to our function. I believe that's the third step in this fourfold purpose is when we truly know our uh, relationship with him, when we have been formed and shaped to become more like him, then we can start to function in the things that he has for us. But do you know that so many people walk around and they try to find their function outside of a relationship with jesus and that causes strife that's why we're so exhausted that's why the world is striving for more for something better and they climb the corporate ladder to earn more to make more to be more to be something and then they get to the top of that ladder and they found them they find themselves empty because outside of a relationship with christ there's nothing we can do not even for him that will fill our hearts. And I believe with all my heart that when we have relationship, when our character is formed and shaped to be like him and we start to function, I believe that there's this thing called reproduction that takes place. And I believe it goes in this order because our truest ministry comes out of our truest identity. If we want to truly be something for God. If we want to know who we are to Christ, we need to know who we are in Christ. And if we are healthy, we will grow. And healthy things grow. And the healthy things that grow, they reproduce. And it actually goes back to the very initial mandate of mankind after God said, let us make man and let us form him in our image. Let's make him just like us. And then once man is there, once he has Adam and Eve and he's created mankind, he turns to them and he says, now go and multiply. And have dominion and subdue the earth. Do you know that that has not changed? That was the original purpose. He created us for relationship. And then it said, now go out and share who I am with all of creation. In the New Testament, we know that as the Great Commission. And it may or may not be familiar to you, but I'm going to read to you from Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, once you have a Bible college degree, feel free to go and talk to some people. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I should read. Oh, okay. Therefore, when you feel adequate, when you feel like you know enough, when you feel like you're better than someone else. Why don't you go ahead and go knock on your neighbor's door? Jesus is saying to his disciples, all authority. I don't know if you recognize what that means, but it means that he has all authority. He has all power. And he actually, this is his last words. This is the last thing he says to his disciples. Before he goes back to heaven. And he's literally holding a baton. And he's saying, all authority has been given to me. I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, therefore, go. And he hands him the baton. And he's like, why? It actually says he ascends into the clouds, into heaven. And he's like, have fun. Just remember... That you need to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and Holy Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And here it comes. And don't forget, I am with you. I'm surely with you. Always. To the very end of the age. See, it's his authority, not our ability enable us, that enables us to do what he has asked us to do. His desire is simply that we take this great love that he has deposited in our hearts and that we go and we share it with those around us. So many times believers have misunderstood the Great Commission as a great suggestion. Where we occasionally, perhaps, maybe, invite somebody to come and see. But do you know what this... This verse says, it says, go and do. Go into the world. Go to where people are. Go to where other people are that need to hear about Jesus and teach them to obey what I have taught you. And then, as you form that relationship, then you can bring them in to a place where they can grow and develop. And I'm not talking about this legalistic duty. I can see some of you are like, oh, no, she's going to talk about sharing Jesus and she's going to make me do something, uh," you know, and You should pray for the interns. They get a whole semester with me (laughs) where we talk about evangelism. Pray for them. Um, But this is not about a legalistic duty to share Jesus with 3.8 people per week so that you can do a little checky box and be a good Christian. If that's what you hear, then you completely misunderstand what I'm saying. But I am talking today about a passion to realize that there's people out there beyond these four walls that have never heard that Jesus is real, that he is still transforming lives and families like the Bacchus family. He is still healing and mending hearts. There are people all around us every day that are living without hope, that are striving for acceptance. There's hopelessness. There's despair. People that get up and go to work and pay their bills and fight with their spouse and try to raise their kids and try to drown their loneliness with with addiction, entertainment, pride, all those things because they don't know that there's more. met a man on a bus. This is quite a few years ago, but we got into this incredible conversation about Jesus. It was a kind of a long route to get there, but hey, we got there. And uh, we ended up getting off at the same bus stop, and I just started sharing about Jesus, and who he is, and how he's still alive, and how he still transforms lives, and how his power is actually real, how that's not just in a storybook, or in a Bible, or back in those days, but I started sharing from my own life how Jesus has transformed my life, how he can heal, how he can heal the broken, how he can mend hearts, how he can do miracles, how we serve a God who is no longer in the grave, but we serve a God who is alive. And this man was a classic seeker. He was seeking something more. So he had looked at all these crazy things because he was desperate for something more in his life. When I started sharing that there's a, there's a God who's real, whose power is so much greater than all those places that he had searched in, he was probably in his mid-30s. And I'll never forget. How he looked me right in the eyes, and I saw deep sorrow. And he said, if that's the case, if there is a God who is real and who can change my life, then why did it take 35 years for someone to tell me that? He said, I lived 35 years with pain and loneliness. If that's true, why aren't you shouting it from the rooftops? I'll never forget his eyes. And we had a glorious moment that morning. As he found what he had been looking for. I warned you I would get emotional, right? (laughs) I'm sorry, this is me. But I want to stir in you today a passion. To simply share about who God is, because you don't know who is around you, whose eternity may be at stake, because they just need somebody to tell them that there is hope, that there is an answer, that there is a savior, that there is someone who actually loves them in the midst of their mess. So today I'm hoping to show you simply why you need to share. And I've called this kind of subtitled for myself. Why am I here? Next week, I'm going to talk about how do I share. So next week, I'm going to get a little more practical and how you can actually form a a, a way to connect with people. So come back next week. That was my shameless plug for coming back to church next week. I don't know if you guys have ever heard about yacht clubs um, or know much about them. Ray will laugh because I tried to text her that and it turned into a hatch club. So... (laughs) She called me, and I picked up the phone, and she went, (laughs) So, there it is, the animal sound. There, just for you, Stuart. Wow, where was I? So, yacht clubs. Did you know that the original purpose of a yacht club was to be a rescue mission? Did you know that? I didn't, until I started looking into what they actually were. They were original, the original purpose of a yacht club was to be a rescue mission full of men with big boats that would travel out into the deep to ensure that people who were out in deep distress would be rescued. That is why they formed yacht clubs. But over the years, these big boats that were meant to be and designed to be in deep sea are now docked at the bay. Because of the culture who they were supposed to be, were not upheld. Now yacht clubs cater to people on the boat, entertaining people. They eat some cheese and caviar, and they have some pleasant conversations. But it loses its original purpose because a yacht was never supposed to be docked up. Those boats were meant to be out in the sea, in the deep, rescuing people, not docked up up on a shore where their owners had a party. Can I say this morning, we cannot afford to let this rescue mission become a yacht club. We are called to be a rescue mission where people that are drowning in the waves, that are out in the deep, that are in distress, can come and find the answers that they're looking for. We cannot allow church to become something that Jesus didn't want. We're not supposed to be a little club that stay within our four walls and we have little parties and, and we, we sip some, some nice little punch on a Sunday morning and we have our little sandwiches or whatever we do. We are supposed to be out there as a rescue mission, as a lighthouse for people that are lost, that don't know where to turn. And they're just looking for some light in the midst of the storm. I hope I can just stir a passion in you this morning to come back to your original purpose. And can I say this? When you're actually rescuing people out in the deep, it's not just about throwing out a floating device. Do you know that you may actually get a little wet in the process? Do you know that sometimes you have to jump? That you actually have to get out of the comfort of your own boat? in order to rescue someone else. And we can do that because we know we have assurance of where we're going. We know that God is with us. We know he won't leave us. But there's people out there that have no hope, that have no direction, that have no purpose. How many agree that it's dark out there? Wow, that was like, oh, Okay. The rest of you, turn on the news when you get home, Okay. At all, Maybe we are living inside some walls. (laughs) But can I say this? Darkness, think about this, is simply just an absence of light. That's all it is. Darkness is only there because the light isn't there to penetrate it. And can I say this? We cannot blame the darkness for the absence of light. It's not the darkness' fault. I I feel support this morning. (laughs) That's like, Pastor Gary always says, say amen or ouch. (laughs) But say something, because I know you're alive. Okay. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, that was an ouch. (laughs) But listen to this. Darkness increases when the light is not there to penetrate it. But do you know that it only takes a very small amount of light to light up a dark room? Maybe you feel this morning like you don't have what it takes, like you don't have enough, like you don't know enough, like there's someone else that has a better story, someone else that has a more powerful testimony, but you are the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light, but then he actually turned to his disciples and he said, you are the light of the world. Now you go and you be that light. Actually, Matthew 5, 14 to 16, we have declared this verse, this particular verse over Impact Church since before its inception. We had a vision meeting back in May of 2008, a few months before we ever started this church. And this was the verse that we shared. And significantly enough, do you know where that vision meeting was held? In this gym, right here. God's just funny. I I love how he works. But it says this, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket on a lampstand, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When we let God shine through us, it's not so that they can see us. This is not about growing our church so that we can have more people and we can do more things. This is about being a lighthouse, about shining the light of Jesus to a dark world around us so that we can start penetrating that darkness. And it says right here in the world that if you so let your light shine, people will glorify God because they will find their way to him. Think about this: Light inva- invades darkness. So if each of you are a light, what happens when we bring a lot of light together in one spot? The world cannot not notice. But we need to not set our light. You remember the old song? "I'm going mind, right? I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, you guys want to sing it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Wow, you guys are awesome. <laughs> Woo! Okay, that was not in my notes, okay. <laughs> so how do you write that out? Sing this little light of I know, I'm handing out. Thank you guys. You are awesome. I love you guys. Um, But you know what happens? So many of us just look at our own shortcomings. We feel ill-equipped. We don't know enough. We're afraid to share because maybe we don't have the answer to someone's questions. Maybe we feel like there's someone else who's more gifted, who's a better communicator, who has a better personality. Sometimes we're afraid because we don't know what people are going to think if we try to share, or even worse, we assume that they don't want us to share. Can I just let you know that most people actually do want you to share? We just assume that they don't. I have noticed that because when I talk to people, they're like, oh, this is so interesting. I mean, I went to get a haircut. This was quite a while ago because as you all probably noticed, I don't cut my hair very often. Um, but, you know, I, hairdresser's in the room. I'm just going to hide it right now. Um, but, but, um, so, but I sat down in this, in this chair and, um, you know, it didn't take long for the hairdresser to go, oh, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, here we go. Like, that didn't take long, right? So I just said, hey, I'm, I'm a pastor. And she goes, what? That's awesome. And I was like, oh, I didn't actually expect that. She goes, can I ask you some questions? And she peppered me for the entire time I was there with all the questions about life Religion, politics got in there too, and all of the above. And then, as you know, she was doing the finishing touches. She's like, "Oh, oh, do you have to go?" <laughs> I'm like, "Well, well I kind of do." And then. Uh, There was something that didn't work out quite right, and I actually had to go back and fix it. And she's like, yes! I'm like, did you mess my hair up on purpose? (laughs) Because she's like, I had so many more questions after you left. So we exchanged phone numbers so that we could actually carry on a conversation after that. But can I tell you, don't assume that people don't want to hear. And can I tell you, too, it's okay not to have all the answers. Do you know that we as pastors don't have all the answers? (laughs) you work with me but do you know it's okay to say to someone you know what I don't know but I'm going to go ask Pastor Cameron <laughs> Can I say, go ask Pastor <laughs> no Pastor Ray has all the answers there you go <laughs> well, what was that Richard did do that? Oh, yeah, I did. Richard, <laughs> Richard already knew that <laughs> Yes, that was good. That was good. Yes, and and you are the head of the home still though, right? Of course, but raise the neck. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay. Okay, back to our sermon, people. Okay, come on, come on, okay. So <laughs> thank you for your support, Corbin. Okay. But think about this. Some of you have heard about the, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. It's found in John chapter 4. And Oh, man, I'm out of time. Okay, are you guys good for a little bit longer? Okay, thank you. Um, you kind of had to say that. Anyhow, um, in John chapter 4, there's this story about a woman at a well. And, and if you know, um, we, we've heard about her in the last few weeks. So I'm not going to go into all the details. But if you know anything about her background, she was rejected by her own people. She was a Samaritan woman who uh, lived... A very promiscuous life, and people knew it. And so the women um, in her own town wouldn't even go and fetch water with her. She was isolated. She was alone. um, She was broken. She was seeking love in all the wrong places because of the emptiness inside. But then there was this one day where she goes to draw water in the middle of the day. And I don't know if any of you have been in the Middle East. I have. I've been in Israel. And at 12 noon, it's hot. It's hot. That's not the time that you want to go and carry uh, heavy loads of water. But she goes there because she's isolated. But this day was different. Because this day, there's this Jewish man who normally wouldn't talk to a woman. And secondly, he wouldn't talk to a Samaritan. But he comes over to the well. And he goes right up to her. And he says, can you give me a drink? And they get in. He starts with something natural. See how easy it is to start a God conversation Hey, it's hot. I'm thirsty. Jesus was awesome. If you want to know the best strategies on how to share with people, read the Gospels. Jesus was awesome. To fishermen, he talked about fish. To farmers, he talked about farming. To to an isolated woman, he talked about acceptance and love. But he started it with a glass of water. So anyhow, this conversation, I'm not going to go into all of it, turns into a conversation about how he can meet her needs. How he is the living water. And if she would come to him and accept him, her life would never be the same. And she was full of sin. She was full of garbage. She was messy. And Jesus seems to k- pay no attention to that. He just says, you know what? I know. I already know what you did. So you, you don't even have to bother trying to hide it from me because I know. But I still love you. And he is inviting her into this relationship that would transform her life in one moment. And you know what she does? She didn't go to Bible college. She didn't call up the rabbi in her town and said, I need to sit under you and learn so that I know how to share. You know what she did? It says she ran back to the village. She ran because she said, you have to come. And you have to see what happened to me. I just met a man who knew everything about me, yet he still wanted me. know all about me but you didn't want me but he did and something happened he invited me into a relationship and I think he might just be the messiah you know what happens this lonely rejected woman who nobody would listen to now has a following you can read it in in John chapter 4 and it says that a whole bunch of the people from the village came with her and they're like show us show us we want to see who that is Take us to him. And then they come to him. And they go, you are the Messiah. And then they beg him. They said, would you stay with us for a little bit? Because Jews didn't normally stay in Samaria. They said, would you just stay? We need to hear more. Could you just come into our town and stay there? And so he actually stays for a couple of days. And at the end of of John chapter 4, it says that many in that town believed that he was the Messiah. And it says not just because of what he said to her, but because he revealed himself to all of them. It's as simple as that. You can share who Jesus is to you. And in this case, a whole town got to know him. See, I believe that the problem isn't that people are close to the gospel. I think the problem is that Christians aren't open to sharing the gospel. Yeah, I did hear a few ouches there. Thank you for your honesty. We'll have an altar call after <laughs> But can I say this too? Sometimes the gospel we do present is not always the gospel of the New Testament. That's a problem. We live in a society that no longer believes that there is such a thing as absolute truth. And in reality, our society has lost their true their due north. And it is our job to show them that there is still an answer. Because if we present a gospel that is not according to what we see in the Bible, we're actually doing people a disservice. See, so many times we have changed the message instead of changing the method. The most powerful, powerful weapon that you have against the enemy is to just share your story. It's as simple as that. Just like Lindsay this morning but I believe that the church at large has landed in two ditches. We're either so legalistic that it doesn't relate to the culture around us, or we're so liberal that we look just like the world around us. Both are a problem. See, we need to stop changing the message. We need to adjust our method. We need to be relatable. We need to be able to relate to the people all around us, but we cannot compromise the message because if we do then we're really not offering anyone hope we're just saying that there's a, another way to live but we're not saying there's a different way to live see so many times we present an unrelatable gospel lives that don't really change or have much purpose or more purpose than before we found christ where nothing much changes where god and church becomes just an add-on to an already busy schedule And do you know people feel exhausted at the thought of adding something else? But Romans 12, 2, it's a beautiful verse. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve of what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you are searching for purpose, don't be conformed to the world realize that God wants to transform your life because it's in that transformation that you will discover your destiny. But when people see lives full of compromise, it doesn't become very attractive, does it? See, people have given up on God today. But can I tell you today that God has not given up on people? He is relentless in his pursuit to reunite his creation to himself. And do you know that he has chosen to do that through you and through me? It's not just about a God in heaven who's, you know, shouting out from heaven above to people, but he has chosen you and I. He, he reconciled the world to himself through Jesus, but then he actually handed us this ministry called the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians five seventeen to 19 says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Is that not enough? For a gospel message to say, my old life is gone and the new is here. And I'm no longer who I used to be. I'm a work in progress. I'm not perfect. I have ways to go. But I know that I'm not the same. I know that I cannot go back. I know that the emptiness inside of me has been filled with someone who relentlessly pursues me. then he goes on to say, all this is from God, the newness, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's it. Our purpose, if you want to live on purpose. Live with the purpose every day to reconcile people back to their creator. Do you know that there's a void in every person that they cannot fill with anything else but Jesus Christ? You're the messenger. You're the light. The gospel transforms lives. It mends broken hearts. It has the power to break addiction. There's nothing like it. There's no program like it. We have the answer. And Jesus has all authority, and he has handed it to you. And he's asking today, would you go? Would you share? Would you reach out? Would you be activated to become the light that he created you to be? In the very first uh, sermon that Jesus ever spoke, he said this, He's quoting from the book of Isaiah. This is found in Luke. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Is this not the world we find ourselves in? People that are poor, and I'm not just talking about a financial status, but I'm talking about people that are poor in spirit, that are longing and yearning for something that can fulfill that insatiable hunger that they have. They are poor and needy, not in a pitiful way, but there's people out there that are looking for someone to just simply share the answer. He says that we are to reach, or he was to reach the poor, the brokenhearted, those who are captive, those who are blind, those who are oppressed. And the beauty of this passage is he declares that his purpose is to declare acceptance over people. Do you know that there's so many people out there that just look for a place to belong? They look for acceptance in their life. They want to find a place, a safe place where they can come with their mess, with their brokenness, with their oppression, with their captivity, and they can find a place of acceptance. That's our message. That was Jesus' message, and it's our message. We're called to live like Jesus and love like Jesus. Can I just let you know, sometimes sometimes humanity is messy. So when we say love like Jesus, get prepared to love the unlovable. Can I be honest? You and I were a mess. We're still a mess. (laughs) But but we're just on this journey now. And Jesus is with us in our mess, and he's making us slightly less messy as we go. And then we're a different kind of mess. (laughs) Because Jesus is not afraid of a mess. But do you know how many people I've talked to that are afraid to come to church because they would literally say, I'm a mess. And they're afraid because they think they're too far gone. Their lives are too messy. But we serve a God who loves the mess. Romans 3.23 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for a perfectly holy people that were perfect. Well, we were still sinners, he died for us. I was doing a message years ago uh, on the cross, and I felt, some of you have heard me say this before, but I heard God, as I was preparing, specifically speak to me and say, you know, it it's the, the will of the Father and obedience to him that took me to the cross. But it was the thought of you that kept me on it. The thought of you and me, in our mess, that kept him on that cross. Because at any given moment, He was the son of God. He could have stepped down and said, I'm done with this. But he stayed on it because he wanted to love us who were so unlovable. He wanted to reach us and transform us. I believe we can do this by speaking to people, speaking the truth in love. Sometimes we become really good at speaking truth with no love, or we love on people and we never speak truth. But Jesus was a perfect picture of how we can speak the truth in love and show people that there is more. See, God loves with a passion. But he has chosen to show that passion through you and me. I'm going to go to 2 Chronicles there. 16.9, it says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. If you today commit your heart fully to Christ, he will strengthen you, he will guide you, he will speak to you. In fact, God is searching the earth for people that are fully committed to him so he can strengthen them, send them out like ambassadors in this world to show that there's a God who loves them. I'll share a couple more verses as we close here. Psalm 68, 6 says, God sets the solitary in families. You know, the most beautiful thing about bringing people into the kingdom of God is not only do we show them that Jesus Christ has accepted them and that there's a place where they can find acceptance and love and wholeness, but God's desire is that we also bring people into a family. That's why the church is the most beautiful display of the purpose of God on earth. Do you know know how many, that was a good plug, huh? Um, (laughs) But do you know that we need one another? I can't reach everybody. But you can. And I can together. So if we all go out like little lights into this world and we just simply share what Christ has done for us, we can reach a multitude. Why not Kingston? Why not a whole town just like the Samaritan woman? That was one woman. That brought a whole town to faith. Look at how many of us there are. And there's many God-fearing churches all over Kingston. Can you imagine if we tapped into living on purpose instead of getting up and living and breathing and eating and sleeping without purpose? But if we understood that God has already commissioned you and I to simply be his lights to go out there, we could win a whole town. Why not Kingston? Why not the surrounding region? Why not the nation of Canada? Why not? That was really weak. Yes, that sounds good, but it's impossible. But can I tell you this? Yes, it's impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. So we're good. He's not concerned, but he's looking. And in Isaiah, he said, who can I send? Who will go for me? His call is still the same. He says, who will go for me? How many have heard of Billy Graham? One year ago, almost to date, he slipped into eternity. But I want to share his story of how he came to Christ. Some years prior to his story of finding Christ, there was a grocery clerk named Edward Kimball who was stocking shelves in his store. He talked to a young man that was just passing through his door, whose name was D.L. Moody. And throughout that conversation, D.L. Moody came to accept Jesus into his heart. Moody led a young man to Christ named Wilbur Chapman, who became an evangelist, and he preached to thousands of people. During one meeting with Chapman, a professional baseball player named Billy Sunday accepted Jesus. Now, Billy Sunday, if you know his story, became an evangelist and raised up a man named Mordecai Ham under his ministry. One day, Mordecai Ham went to Charlotte, North Carolina to have some meetings. And during one of those meetings, there was a young man named Billy Graham that stood up and accepted Jesus into his heart. But it started with one conversation in the grocery store. That's it. Don't ever underestimate how much one conversation can mean. We are so trapped in fear. We're so afraid to take that step and share. But can I tell you, first of all, people are like, I don't really know if God wants me to share with that person. Can I just let you into a little secret that if you're feeling that stirring, it's probably not Satan. (laughs) Just going to let you know. I'm a simple person, so think in simple terms, but you know. Why are we so gripped with fear? Romans 1:16, it's not on the screen, but it's one of my favorite verses. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Paul was writing this verse to Romans the the city of Rome, the Christians in Rome, who at the time were under the heaviest persecution of church history, under a tyrant, uh, under a horrible, horrible situation under their emperor Nero, who did such horrible things that I cannot mention them in this room. And he charges them with this charge and it said, do not be ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God to bring salvation for everyone who believes. And they knew, because that salvation is eternal, they knew that even if they lost their earthly life, it didn't matter. But they could not buckle under the pressure. I heard this story, I'm pretty sure it was through Pastor Gary as he was traveling in China. And he told this story of uh, an underground church meeting with a church Um, that had this meeting and if you know anything about china there's there's kind of some officially accepted churches but where the move of god really happens is something called underground churches where they're literally meeting in caves and rooms and places where where no one knows so they were having this meeting and right in the middle of this meeting the police came running in it's a true story they came barging in with their machine guns And they pointed it at the Christians and they said, if you believe in Jesus, deny him or die as they're pointing their machine guns. And did you know that almost everybody ran? It's a true story. There was a handful left, I think it was about 10. They lined them up against the wall. And they raised their guns and they said, we'll give you one last chance. This stuff happens, people. And they said, Deny Jesus or die. And these brave men and women said, We will not deny him because he is our life. In him we have everything that we need, even if you take our life. The policemen lowered their guns and said, Good, we're Christians too, but we don't know who to trust. That's an ouch. We cannot live a convenient, westernized Christianity when people all around us are desperate to find the answer and to see who they can trust. Come on, people. I'm sorry if this is heavy, but I hope to inspire you to see that you can make a difference. You have purpose. You can live on purpose every single day. I believe that people are bound by fear because there's an enemy that hates when we share. What happened this morning with Lindsay? The enemy hates it, yet it's one of the most powerful tools we've been given is to share our story. You can share your story, but we need courage I just want to show you two quotes on courage. One says, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the mastery of it. Sometimes we do things with our knees shaking and, and not knowing what's going to come of it, but we do it anyways. And sometimes we think that we have to feel this roar in order to be courageous. But Megan Rowe, one of our interns, said something so profound a couple of weeks ago. I wrote it down, and I am quoting you, by the way. She said this. Courage is not always a roar. Sometimes it's that still small voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow. Want to end with this, Second Timothy one seven says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. That's what he wants to infuse into you this morning.